0: So as the church always does in her wisdom, a beautiful connection between all three readings, the first, the second, and the gospel. And what is the story that we're hearing about? And it's Noah. Now Noah is the next major biblical figure after Adam and Eve. Uh, He came before David, he came before Moses, he even came before Abraham. And so this is a definite, important person. Now, it was about 5,000 years ago or so, some say a little more, a little less, up to five to 7,000 years ago, based on scripture and tradition that Noah happened. In fact, even science, science, um, you know, um, addresses that this... look like it could have happened, and we have proof. But the question is, why would a merciful God kill nearly every human in a flood? I know that question is a, a hard question for many people. In fact, some don't even believe that a God could do that, therefore they don't believe in God. I've gotten so many messages on those YouTube comments that Uh, god is sadistic and 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 to kill people and so how do we answer that okay first of all without the flood humanity would have totally destroyed itself on its own it would have just that would have been the end we're on that path now now the flood was the chance god gave the chance for any human person with any goodness to start over and be saved. Hmm, interesting. Second reading we heard about Paul connected with baptism. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. So Noah's family wasn't the only example. We think of Noah, but God just didn't say, I'm only saving Noah. Others had their chance. Anyone else could have been saved and got in the ark. I'm going to talk about that meaning in a minute. But they chose rather to mock Noah. Now, Jewish tradition does not portray God as uncaring. God instructed Noah how to be saved. He does the same with the church. He gives you the exact blueprint. Well, I'm not into man-made instruction. Well, God came and gave Noah the instructions on how to be saved. Get inside the ark. The ark is the church. You want to be saved? Get inside the ark. Well, anyway, God instructed Noah to build the ark and build it slowly. Why? This was meant as a last warning and a chance for any others to repent and accept God's mercy. He's doing the same today. He's prolonging. How many people have said, How much more can God put up with? How much more patient can He be? It's just like Noah. He told Noah, Build that ark slowly so people will see and convert, repent, and want to be saved. He's doing the same with us today. Now, everyone had a chance to turn from their old ways and enter that ark, all right? But they didn't. That's why some saw the flood as the result of God's tears over man's sins. That it was the flood of God's tears. Now, sometimes we anthropomorphize God. He would not have physical tears. But uh, we treat sometimes God like that. I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But anyway, they didn't repent. And then God ended up a covenant. A greater good came out of it. First of all, what was that covenant? Covenant? What was the covenant that we see in this? The rainbow, right? The rainbow appeared in the sky. Now how ironic is that, that that symbol of God's covenant with man very early has been hijacked into immorality, a symbol for immorality. Uh, Homosexuality is now celebrated with a rainbow as the symbol it's almost the biggest slap in face to God, celebrating something that the Bible literally calls out as one of the four sins that cry to heaven for, as an abomination. Now, this flag stands for, today, inclusion, right? Well, it's kind of interesting because anybody who opposes it on moral grounds are subject, subject to lawsuits, fines, being fired, hate crimes. So really not too much inclusion. Now you want to talk about inclusion? The church calls all people to chastity. They want you to get to heaven. Celebrating an immoral act is not love. It's not getting you to heaven. The ultimate love, the definition of love is willing the good of the other. And what is the best good that you can will for somebody? That they get to heaven, their soul be saved. Not that they do whatever they want, but their soul be saved. And so here the church calls all people how to be saved. And so they're called to chastity in marriage and in out of marriage. I'm called to chastity. You're called to chastity, no matter what your state. Single, married or consecrated. So it was the first sign of the covenant. It was a was first, I should say, a sign of the covenant after Noah. Do you know why it's a bow? Because in Genesis 9:13, which we just heard, God hung his bow up in the sky. It's almost like, "I'm done fighting with you." So the bow, God's this hunter. He hung it up. That's it, I I don't wanna go to war with you anymore. The the war symbol back then was the bow. They didn't have guns, they didn't have cannons, they didn't have airplanes, they didn't have tanks. The symbol of warfare was the bow. And so the ring bow being hung up in the sky is God saying, I don't wanna fight with you anymore. And so this is important. Now, this is what this uh, message is, in fact, god hung up his bow in the sky as i said right there in the scriptures jesus told saint faustina the same thing and we're going to hear it read here after communion in paragraph 1588 jesus told saint faustina he wants to heal ma- aching mankind not punish it he wants to hang that bow up he wants to keep it hung up but do we want to instigate him by taking that bow down and making it a symbol of a sin that the Bible calls an abomination, that's that's us. That's on us. God's hung up the bow. We're taking it back out of the sky and using it as a weapon against God. Mm. So God brings, though, a greater good, even out of an evil such as the flood. Why? Because we just heard Brother Elliot read in the second reading, the flood foreshadows baptism to cleanse us of sin. The ark is a figure of baptism. The ark is a figure of the one church. This is our ark. And baptism of the world, which purified it and redeemed it. The family of Noah is saved by what? What saved mankind? Water and wood. In the same way, People said, well, no, Father, he destroyed mankind by water. No, he didn't. He saved it. He took out the last righteous people and then wiped out all the sin and destruction and the sin and the evil and preserved through water the righteous. That's what we have. In the same way we are saved by water, baptism. In the same way we are saved by wood, the wood of this church the wood of the ark, but most importantly, the wood of the cross. So we are saved by water and wood. Just as every kind of animal was in the ark, believers from all nations are invited into this ark, the church. Whether or not we answer, it's just like the days of Noah. Everybody mocked it. Everybody mocked it. It said it rained for 40 days. This is symbolic of a long time, a period of testing. Now, like the Jews in the desert, they went out for 40 years. Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days. Christ in the desert. We just read this in the gospel. Christ in the desert. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days. And so 40 days uh, there's also the uh, our pilgrimage on earth, just a long time, and so we we have to read in this message something very important. But the question is, is it literally true? Is this a message from God as a symbol, or is it literally true? Okay, Noah is based absolutely on a true event. Archaeologists have even found evidence of great floods. This is a fact. This does not mean, however, that every detail of the story of Noah's Ark has to be exactly the way it happened. Father, how dare you say that? No, this is the catechism. I'm going to quote that in a minute. All right. Biblical authors, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, are allowed to use figurative language. All right. It is possible for something, check this out. This is right in the writings of the church. It is possible for something to be truthful, but not necessarily entirely factual. Did you hear that? It is possible for something to be truthful, but not necessarily entirely factual. Father, you're talking crazy, okay? Scripture says in Psalm 18, God is a rock. Well, that sounds like some environmentalist. I'm an environmentalist, but that's pantheism. I'm gonna take that rock, after this mass, and I'm gonna go in adoration and worship that rock. Well, wait a minute. Psalm 18 verse two says, God is a rock. So is that true? Is God a rock? Well, yeah, if we are to believe what God is, it's figurative language, like a rock, God is strong. God is steadfast, he is solid. You can't crush him, he can be leaned upon. So it's true. But has literally got a, a piece of stone that's been hardened over the last 10 million years? No. It's figurative language. So the church insists that the Bible is inspired and inerrant, without error. And that what it teaches is the truth. So what is the truth of Noah's Ark? The truth is something happened. There was a real man named Noah. He had a real family. There was a great flood, and mainly that there is no safety outside of the ark, and no one can be saved who is in no sense in that ark. Similar today, nobody can be saved that is not part of the church. There is no salvation outside of the church. Now it doesn't mean necessarily the four walls, like we always talk about the pygmy in the rainforest, topic for another talk. But St. Cyprian said, no one can have God for his father who is not, has the church for his mother. If no one could escape the deluge outside of the ark, no one outside of the church will escape deluge of life today. Wow. Now, Father, you're talking crazy. Well, let's go to the catechism. So the meaning is true, but parts of the text can be symbolic. This is Catechism, 337, talking about Noah's Ark. Now God Himself created the visible world with all its richness, diversity, its order. Scripture presents the work of the Creator symbolically, though. Sometimes, okay, divine work, all right. So. This is what the catechism says. Now, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Please don't write me letters saying, Father Chris is now denying that Noah's Ark happened. Absolutely not. Noah's Ark, Noah was real. Noah happened. Maybe not the exact same way because God is not exactly a rock, but we use figurative language to explain a truth. But this really happened. You know, Dr. Ballard, the guy of Titanic fame that did the movie, found the Titanic, right? He discovered flooded living civilizations in the Black Sea near Turkey. Now, he said that the salty Black Sea was once fresh water until it was suddenly and instantly flooded all at once. And he found civilizations that were existed and instantly lost to a flood. And he dated it to around 5,000 B.C. Wow. There were towns that disappeared instantly. And so how do we reconcile this? Father, you're saying it's, it's true, but it doesn't have to be always exactly the way it says. Well, okay. In the Bible, we treat God like a man. God can't be, though, treated that way necessarily. Now, Jesus incarnate, yes, But what about God the Father? It talks about in the Bible that God was moved by an emotional wave of regret. He repented of what he had done. Can God repent of what he has done? God does not change as man does. Father, how do you know that? Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. God does not change as man does. God does not repent as man does. Well, wait a minute, Father, you just said he repented. Yes, in one place of the Bible, it says he repented. In the other, Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, says God does not repent as man does. How do we reconcile this? Do we read the Bible as literally true? Yes, it's literally true. But do you go home and cut off your right hand? Because the Bible says if you sin, cut off your right hand. So poor brother Ken wouldn't really be able to play that organ if I told him he's now got to cut off his right hand. Okay? We are all sinners. So what we do is we read the Bible as literally true. The literal message is if there's something causing you to sin in your life, you got to get rid of it. But we don't read the Bible as literal lists that we're actually going to take out a saw and cut off our our hand. Not going to do that. And so this is important. While it is true that God was not pleased with man. We don't want to be literalists that God was emotional and wanted revenge, that kind of thing. That's mankind. And the Bible puts the thoughts and actions of God in human terms just so we could understand him. That's why it does it. We put God, we anthropomorphize him, physical features. Why do we do that? So we can trust him, we can visualize him. In Exodus it says God has hands. In Hosea, it says God has arms. In Exodus, it says God has feet. In Daniel, it says God has white hair. In Psalm 27, it says God has a face. That's not really literally true in the sense it's true. Yes, I mean, of course, we're not talking about Jesus incarnate here. We're talking about God the Father. But it gives us an understanding of how God relates to us. We want to see him as someone we can trust. And for all of you who've read the story of Noah and said we can't trust God, look at the mercy. He gave every opportunity for man to be saved. He had to wipe out evil. But he's inviting every human being in this world to be saved. He wants us to choose life. Choose life. We have the Sisters of Life here today, a couple of the Sisters of Life. And what a beautiful apostolate. Choose life. Jesus, or God says in the, in the Bible, I'm putting before you this day, life or death, blessing or curse. Choose life. And that's what we have an opportunity through the teaching of the church. This is your ark. The water is the baptism. And through it is salvation. Praise be to God.